0: you're listening to the center for auto safety podcast with executive director michael brooks chief engineer fred perkins and hosted by anthony simon for over 50 years the center for auto safety has been working to make cars safer find out more at autosafety.org
1: like to say good morning to our charming and talented listeners
2: uh, uh, that's a way to kiss ass right in, Right at the start. I like your style. I'm good at that. I've worked for the government. <laughs> good. All right, guys. Uh, first of all, we never congratulated Michael last week. Congratulations to the executive director of the Center for Auto Safety. Richly deserved.
0: Thank you, guys. I'm, it's it's uh, just more pressure to me. <laughs>
2: well, you're the guy who can handle it.
0: Uh also, this is
2: episode 15. We're almost ready to get our learner's permit.
0: I love it. <laughs> that, that's all it takes is 15 episodes, huh?
2: I guess. I mean, I don't know. Some states allow you to start driving at 15, I think. Maybe even... I,
0: I did. I did. And I got a speeding ticket at <laughs> 15 and got my car taken away for a month or two. By your parents or the police? By my parents. nah. Uh, the the judge actually ended up letting me off mm. um, because me. I was, I probably had. Um, my parents let the judge, uh, made the judge aware of my punishment. <laughs>
1: Simpler times. You yes. see what the leniency led though?
0: Now here you are. Yeah. You know, it, it really taught me a lesson.
1: Yeah.
2: Look what it did to you. Shameful. So last week we our our uh our fun guest Phil Copeman. we're going to get into an update on what we spoke with him later on. Uh but first let's jump into a section that Michael wants to call Auto Madness. Auto oh, Madness. Madness. You know you didn't spell it that way. You well, yeah. You, know. you know, I I got to read your mind. All right. I yes. like Auto Madness, but
0: uh, let's you know, I like the autonomous madness. It's it's a couple of things though. It's um you know, it kind of captures what's going on now and what's been going on for a decade really. And this push for uh self-driving, autonomous, driverless, whatever you want to call them vehicles with without any real clear showing of the benefits or the safety of them um and um altano madness also kind of captures the feeling you get right now if you're in san francisco stuck behind a robot car that's decided to stop in front of you in the only travel lane and uh, end your commute for the for until an engineer can come out and fix it um so that's what never happen.
1: we know that would never happen because these cars are going to make traffic safer Right. Well, yeah,
0: you know, I think it happened on Good Morning America a couple of weeks ago during a live shot um in one of the cruise vehicles. And since then, and actually even before then, there have been dozens, if not, you know, approaching reports into the hundreds of drivers stuck behind these things, uh, a fire truck unable to reach its destination because of because of these vehicles stalled in the middle of the road. And so, um that's the that's another part of the madness not just the craze and the rush to av but there's a lot of general negative sentiment um from drivers in the san francisco area towards these vehicles um and it raises a lot of issues that we'll we'll continue to talk
2: about so having lived in california and san francisco for a number of years a long time ago i could point out the driving behavior of the gm Cruise is you know pretty standard pretty typical <laughs> of a, a california driver uh but to remind you viewers this is uh we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago the GM cruise uh it's fully autonomous maybe sort of kind of um basically there's no driver in it so if you're drunk between the hours of 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. you can hail one of these cars freak your friends out who are probably more drunk than you get into it and then watch it stop um and this happened within hours of they first releasing this where got confused by another driver um and now it's um three the the headline is uh from cron4.com cruise driverless vehicles involved in three separate san francisco traffic incidents thursday this was posted september 23rd uh basically one of them got way too close to a muni bus and the other two stalled um i i don't understand how how an electric vehicle stalls. Um, I always associated that with a failure of a, of a fuel base, you know, a gasoline vehicle where the pump or something dies, but these vehicles just stopped in the middle of the road. And, you know, within, according to Cruz within 20 minutes, their team went out there, their interns went out there and like pushed it or something. So talk, talk to me, how how does
0: a, how does an electric vehicle stall? Well, it's, I, you know, to me, there, there, there could be a lot of different reasons, but I think what, what some of these are is the vehicle simply doesn't want to, doesn't know what to do and enters a mode that uh, prevents it from operating anymore. Um, the thing I think it's akin to is maybe you had an existential crisis while you were driving and didn't know what to do next. Um, and just stopped. The problem is that instead of. You know, pulling over to a safe point that doesn't interfere with traffic, these things are just stopping in in the middle of the road, um, which presents not only a traffic issue, but also um, a safety issue. Um, Because you have, you're creating, not only are you creating the potential for vehicles that are coming behind to hit that vehicle, so creating Uh, traffic disruptions that can cause other bad driving behaviors by other drivers that can result in other incidents. So um, it's a, it's a problem. You know, if this was a uh, fuel pump on a specific model of vehicle that was continually failing like this over and over um, we would probably see a recall or a defect investigation from NHTSA looking into that because stalling, and um, is is a safety risk and has been the subject of many recalls over the years. Um,
2: So do we know if these vehicles actually stalled or is that just some generic term that GM Cruise
0: is claiming? Do we know what happened? Yeah, I don't think it's a stall. I'm assuming that in most of these cases, the, the vehicle basically isn't comfortable operating anymore in its environment. Maybe it's exited its operational design domain. There any, you know, looking at how complex these AVs are, I would say there could be thousands of possibilities for why these vehicles are stopping in traffic. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't try to suggest that there was only one. Um, so we're not totally sure. It's not like, you know, Cruz is sharing this information with the world exactly why every one of these events is happening. So we're not totally sure. Maybe some of them will show up in the um, NHTSA standing general order which really only probably wouldn't extend to vehicles just stalling Mm -hmm. and stopping traffic. But um, we really don't know uh, the reason behind all of these incidents. But the fact that they are stalling over and over again and, and people continue to report it is showing that not only is, you know, not only is this a traffic issue but there's also a chance that at some point there's going to be a safety issue that arises simply because the vehicles aren't able to find a safe place to pull over who is uh the san francisco police department giving tickets to because
2: i know if i just abandoned a vehicle in the middle of the road um that would be a pretty hefty fine they would tow the vehicle away uh so what's going on there from just from a policing point of view
0: You know, I don't really know. I haven't I haven't been focused on that that part of the coverage, but I assume that, you know, if thinking of it as a driver, you know, there's if a driver had an existential crisis again and again and kept stopping in a travel lane, um, the same driver over and over again, I think that there would be some citations and possibly a chance that they would lose their license at some point if it kept happening. Right. Put in a psych ward, I imagine. Um, May I make but,
1: two two helpful comments here? Yep, please, because I'm not. <clears throat> well, the first comment, and, and these are independent. The first comment is that um, this is all based on the proposition that self driving cars will make roads safer. That's something that uh, you know is is often stated, and that's you know a, a good idea. We'd all like that to happen, but I'd also like to point out that. Um, Proposition that experiencing an alien abduction will improve your sex life <laughs> has equal foundation in empirical data. So, I, I, you know, while the first objective seems good, the second objective seems perhaps even better. <clears throat> the other th- <clears throat> excuse me. The other thing I'd like to point out is that yesterday was the anniversary of the first passenger, steam-powered passenger railway train uh, in England in 1825. Actually, anywhere in the world. And uh, what was notable about that is that the, in the train's inaugural journey from Shildon to Stockton, a man on horseback went before the train carrying a banner that read Periculum Privatum Utilitas Publica, which means the private danger is the public good. So, you know, it could be that that is a banner that should be put on the front of all of these AVs that are under in initial testing because. That seems to be the proposition that's driving this right now.
2: <laughs> I don't know if the cars are big enough to hold that banner. It seems pretty long. It is a lot. Okay, so so, so now um, GM crews, maybe they're getting away with this without ticketing, um, or you know, and causing these massive safety issues. They blocked uh, an ambulance um because the you know the robot car had a reboot or something because as best we can tell they're not really sharing what's happening I do not understand how they get away with that oh again because you guys will tell me there's no regulations uh but gm cruz is also expanding to phoenix so hey those of you in the phoenix area looking for a good time hail a driverless cab there and watch it just stop
0: and and austin as well so
1: well keep austin weird I guess. Um, So I. And in Phoenix, there also are tests on the way by Waymo, right? So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens when Waymo confronts crews at an intersection. It it could be apocalyptic.
2: That sounds like the great plot of a future movie, you know, or it'll be a short film. 32nd film. I don't write films. Um, all right anything else uh we have on on gm Cruise that we want to
0: discuss you know i think the, the the one thing that's probably worth pointing out is that the um the city of san francisco and the county both aren't kind of sitting here silent um while i think they are in many ways supportive of the idea that avs could in the future bring safety you know to their cities and the pedestrians there they see some of these um, issues as a problem and you know they responded to GM and Ford's petitions to NHTSA to exempt them from a lot of safety standards from AVs last week and they basically laid out a, a pretty large list of recommendations of things conditions that NHTSA needs to place on GM Ford and ultimately maybe any any AV company operating in cities across America in the future um because they've they've been on the ground and experienced a lot of the problems here that have been caused uh, by just the congestion and they have some other issues that are um worth looking into so th- they're they're not settling, sitting idly by. They are um, trying to get NHTSA in, in its look at these GM exemption petitions to consider not just some of the legal and regulatory arguments, but what's going on, the what's going on on the ground in San Francisco and how this is impacting uh consumers you know whether these vehicles are actually providing what they say they're going to disability access and some of these long-term dreams that we have for avs is that something that's even going on right now or are they just really testing these things you know on the roads um without sufficient safeguard to protect the residents in san francisco so um that's a quickly developing story. And we're probably going to hear a lot more about it as these robot cars move from to new cities in America. <clears throat> well, when I think San
2: Francisco, I think safety, San Francisco, home of the millennium tower sinking slowly and surely by one corner every day. All right, let's go to uh, recall roundup strap in. Got a couple of fun rules from GM up. this week, uh, blank instrument panel display. This affects uh, potentially 186 vehicles, which seems pretty small. Uh, General Motors yep. is recalling certain 2023 Cadillac Lyric vehicles. A software error in the driver video display control module may cause the instrument panel to go blank. So basically, we updated some software and ah, you don't have a speedometer anymore.
0: That is that's what happens. And it's it's you know, it's your entire instrument panel. It looks like and. This kind of goes back to um, some of the things we've talked about before with buttons and features inside the vehicle. You know, manufacturers are putting a lot. A a lot of these systems are connected together now in ways at which like here you see, you know, the the video display control model has a boot up shutdown sequence that causes a problem here on the um, driver display so that removes the instrument panel and other things because of you know an issue that traditionally would have been somewhat separated in the vehicle but now all these parts are connected together and we're seeing a lot of problems um and it's it's you know it's it's one of those areas where it's more it's cheaper for the manufacturers to put all these systems together and it makes a lot of sense but when you do that and you're mixing safety critical systems with video systems and other type of um display modules then you're creating a chance of these type of events happening and so um you know it's good to see them catch it and that there's only a hundred and something vehicles involved but that would obviously be a um difficult situation to navigate if you lost your instrument panel while driving Mm.
2: and is the catalog lyric is that the uh the $300,000 Three hundred thousand dollar Cadillac that's all hand built that they're coming out with is that is that that car? No, it's the
1: all electric version.
2: Yeah. Well, it's the okay, so it's not the the super crazy expensive thing.
1: No, it's only ridiculous. It's only ridiculously expensive. It's not crazy <laughs> expensive. Okay,
2: well, it's good that it's an all electric vehicle and they managed to. I, and again, I think Fred, we've talked about this in the past. With how does some basic software testing not capture that
1: hey here's an update oops like that's yes I mean it's puzzling you've never we've never heard about the entertainment system on an airplane causing difficulty with airplane navigation you know uh, it's like putting in a cd in a in the uh, airplane video system and having the pilot's console completely blank out it's just it, it just is something that should never happen there are certainly ways of isolating systems. Uh, it's a. It's a sounds like a pretty good example of just inadequate software validation. There are things going on that were never tested and uh, never validated, and that's ultimately what happened. If
2: you believe that software should be validated, go to autosafety.org and click donate. I don't know if that will help, but it will help audit the uh, Center for Auto Safety next recall i got is uh another one related to general motors legible tire label legible tire size information may result in the wrong tires being installed increasing the risk of crash potential number of units affected 24. uh i i don't uh, this sounds to me more of a, a tire manufacturer problem Um, but I have a few questions. Like, I've never thought on my car. Like, okay, here's I got to replace the tires. I'm gonna do it, and I'm just gonna choose something.
0: Like, what's what's going on here? So this one is when you um when you want to know how much air to put in your tires. At least in my car, you can look in the um on the that there's a label inside of your door area, right on the driver's side, and it'll tell you what size your tires are. And what your inflation pressure, cold inflation pressure is. And in this case, the label was, you know, I guess misprinted or put in an area where the door might have contacted it and rubbed the writing off. So it therefore doesn't comply with Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard number 110, which specifies that that information has to be located on the driver's side B pillar. So this is one of those recalls where there's no, um, Physical fix, it's a uh, kind of a, basically a communications error. So they're fixing it by sending folks a new certification label that they can stick on their vehicle.
2: Okay. And now uh, I'm going to do one more recall because this relates to my ongoing struggle of motorcycles and a 17-year-old child living with me. Helmets may, may not protect from impact. A helmet that does not provide adequate impact protection increases the risk of injury during a crash. Uh isn't a helmet that doesn't protect you just a hat
0: Yeah, we I I know that NHTSA has been struggling for years with the um kind of the online marketplaces not really monitoring for, to make sure that the safety equipment they're allowing to be sold like Amazon and a lot of others um they're basically allowing safety equipment like motorcycle helmets to be sold on their sites but it's not been certified. It's coming from overseas or somewhere and it doesn't meet uh, safety standards or, or it actually does not protect the rider. It's defective in some way. Um, and we see it also with child seats and some other things. Um, so it's an issue that I, you know, they, they've, they I believe Amazon and some others have started to to monitor that because NHTSA reached out to them and, let them know that, you know, it's a problem and they're basically facilitating the import of non-compliant, uh, motor vehicle equipment. So there are some restrictions around it, but still there, once again, there is no firm regulation here that is making sure that, you know, non-compliant products aren't being sold on internet marketplaces.
2: So this is a Blackbeard motorcycle, <clears throat> hammerhead hm569 all sizes with a manufacture date of december 2020 if you have one of these blackbeard motorcycles hammerhead what a horrible name hm569 uh don't put it on your head uh just turn it into a fruit bowl a nice display something else
1: well the name hammerhead sounds ironically accurate <laughs> yeah i i yeah, yeah motorcycles
2: I just love what you guys told me when I asked, "How do you cra- do? They crash test motorcycles?" And the two of you just looked at me dumbly. And went, "No." All right, now to my my new favorite segment, the one where I'm convinced you guys are really just making things up each week. It's the Tao of Fred.
0: You've now entered the Dow of Fred.
2: This week's acronym soup is OEDR. Which oh, again, this is a good one. <laughs> it's a good one? Really? Because I just looked down at my keyboard and I'm just thinking, you
1: guys are just messing with me. So, Fred, what is OEDR? Well, I'm surprised it didn't just roll off your lips, but, you know, an OEDR is the detection by an ADS of circumstances that are relevant to the immediate driving tasking, as well as the implementation of the appropriate response to such circumstances, obviously. Sure. So, all right. So what the hell does that mean? No um, idea. <clears throat> OEDR is kind of a, a global indicator of how well your whole automatic driving system is working. Uh, think of miles per gallon for your car. That encompasses everything that happens in the car. It's the tolerances of the engine. It's the how well it's put together, the fuel that you put in, the aerodynamics. All this stuff is kind of rolled into a big big jumble and reported out as miles per gallon. OEDR is kind of that same global indicator of how well your automatic driving system is working. But let's take it apart. So the the parts of OEDR are detection, perception, planned response, action, and evaluation. And all of this is in the context of latency, which is the time between uh, a digital event happening and the response to that digital event now helpfully uh rogers and hammerstein wrote about this so we'll we'll use these famous automotive engineers rogers and hammerstein to put it in context so consider that some enchanted evening you may see a stranger okay that's that's part of detection okay that shows that your sensors are working um, you may see a stranger across a crowded room. Now, this takes the basic information from the processor and injects noise rejection to improve the, the resolution of the, the uh, object that you're trying to identify. And then consider, and somehow you know, you know even then, that somehow you'll see her again and again. That's the beginning of the perception context. You've got... You've got this image, the stranger. Now you're putting it into context and you're saying, well, you know, you're, you're likely to see her again and again. The artificial intelligence is starting to work. Now, then, you know, moving on, some enchanted evening, someone may be laughing. You may hear her laughing across a crowded room. Many of the automatic uh, driving systems have multiple sensors. So this is an example of data fusion where you take Inputs from different sensors, you apply them to the same phenomenon that you're tracking, and you improve your ability to resolve that particular object based on the multiple data inputs you're getting. Now, moving on again. Night after night, as strange as it seems, the sound of her laughter will sing in your dreams. Who can explain it? Who can tell you why? Fools give you reasons, wise men never try. This is an example of artificial intelligence interpretation using the empirical data to reduce the probability of perception error. It's, uh, it's very insightful. You know, it's it's putting it into a context. It's understanding the inputs that you've got. Um, it's It's testing it against your belief system, essentially, of what this object should mean. Moving on again. Some enchanted evening, when you find your true love... Well, this is an example of latency, okay? So a lot of, there's been a lot of perception going on. Now there's latency. There's a time between your understanding of what this stranger might actually entail and your ability to take action on it. And latency is very important, particularly in automatic uh, autonomous vehicles, because if you see something and you react three weeks later, that's probably not soon enough. Particularly if, you know, somebody's something's happening very rapidly, a person's running out from behind a parked car, you want your latency to be very small. That's why you have to have very, very fast computers and data networks to handle all that data. But you knew that already. So moving on, some enchanted (laughs) evening, when you find your true love, you may hear her call you across a crowded room. Now the perception is complete. The target probability exceeds the threshold. You've made the decision that that this is something you really want to act on. So once your perception is complete, including all of the sensory inputs your determination you're testing the hypothesis against your target then you fly to her side and make her your own okay you've planned you've perceived you've planned you you're now executing and this is great or all through your life you may dream all alone once you have found her and never let her go once you found her never let her go now you're evaluating the response to your flying across the room okay so this is this is the the culmination of the entire oedr process unfortunately in this case it appears that the objective was false imprisonment um never letting her go um, there may be other ways to interpret that but probably you know some kind of thing i'm not understanding or possibly felonious but <laughs> Unfortunately the mission was accomplished. So that's that's what OEDR is all about. Uh any questions at this point? Uh, when do
2: you go on tour opening up for Jella Biafra doing
1: spoken Yeah, oh I hope I hope to do that soon.
0: So in other words it's it's you know for a human OEDR would be the act of me seeing my glass, reaching out, picking it up and drinking it. So,
1: and an understanding Simply. that what you drank was in fact what you intended to drink. Is that beer you're drinking? No, So you got it right. You've got to have the, the follow up at the end to say, well, did it really accomplish what I wanted to accomplish? If it doesn't accomplish what you wanted to accomplish, then you need to move on to something else and you know try some other strategy for accomplishing that same end. But that points out that all of this has to happen very, very rapidly and very, very accurately, in a fast-moving situation like an autonomous car, particularly an autonomous car that's in a traffic situation. Bad enough when you're driving down the road and a rabbit crosses the road, but you know, when you're in an urban environment, like these uh, vehicles that are stopping in the middle of the road in San Francisco, very difficult and very important and very critical to the safety of other people. Uh, you know, Phil pointed out last week, which was a great comment, that one of the important and unsung parts of automobile safety is other people compensating for your mistakes and other people adjusting their own behavior based upon what they see and expect and have experienced you to do. This is, this is part of the human OEDR experience, if you will. But the autonomous vehicles enter, you know, they're a really new element. Um, it's really unpredictable what they are going to do. The developers complain that people are unpredictable, but the people are complaining and rightly so, that the autonomous vehicles are unpredictable. They're stopping in the middle of intersections, they're encroaching on buses, they're they're hitting things. So that whole element of uh, adapt adaptation to the expected behavior of other vehicles in your environment, seems to be made more challenging by the presence of the autonomous vehicles.
2: Yeah, I wonder how autonomous vehicles handle the kind of four-way stop problem. Whereas with humans, we can all get there. We know who arrived first, who would have right-of-way. You can make eye contact, nod at somebody, wave them through, and you know when it's okay to break the rules, but you can see, oh, the person was here ahead of me. Now they're fidgeting with their coffee, makeup, phone, something like that. And also, I'm in a Ford F-250 with my Let's Go Brandon sticker, and I'll just run right over them. Yeah, yeah. That's a shout-out to the guy with a Ford F-250 with a Let's Go Brandon sticker who flipped me off the other day. Well, that was nice of him. Well, we were at the end of the Palisades heading to the George Washington Bridge where three lanes of traffic come down to one. And, you Mm. know, everyone just get all along, like, let's do this. And he decided he wanted to move all the way from the far left lane, cross my lane, and go over to the far right lane. And so for miles, he had his blinker on and no one was going to let him through. I don't know, maybe because he was, you know, next to New York City with a Let's Go Brandon sticker on. And uh, we just said no. And he crossed and, you know, away from me with his very thick tinted windows. I could see him flip me off and I just waved.
0: So, you know, tinting your windows is counterproductive to that kind of behavior in some ways. I bet you could barely see it. You, you know, did you feel less offended because it was not as visible as it might be? <laughs> I thought it was hilarious
2: because then I just watched him get pulled over on the side of the road, and I just went past him and went
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, justice. I love that. So the problem another problem would probably be that guy would have been let in by a driverless car if there had been one ahead of you. So you would you know that would have broken the the continuous train of of human cooperation that was preventing this guy from from jumping ahead into traffic.
2: Exactly. I like I see situations like that where autonomous vehicles are just not smart enough yet, don't know kind of these human heuristics to adjust their driving for it instead they you know they'd be written their algorithms were written to what some guy sitting in either you know uh, bangalore or san jose
0: decided is the correct way to drive and then you know if if it stopped right there in the road who would have been you know that would have been the guy would have gotten off free and then all of you would have been stuck behind the av that had an existential crisis so
1: right i wonder if the algorithms and avs have a response to famous hand gestures
2: <laughs> do you think their cameras are good enough I mean lidar' is not you know refined enough yet to pick out digits in a finger
1: well, not I, I, I don't know it might be it depends on the famous hand gesture I guess there's a couple that couple of candidates but but again they need to have that latency really quick to be able to pick up which finger I pointed at that's a great point. OEDR is always, you know, always the fundamental aspect of any AV response to its environment. Oh, look okay, at that,
2: boys and girls. OEDR, just when you thought it was made up nonsense. It's not. It was actually pretty neat. Thanks, Fred. Uh, so somewhat related to this, we're, uh, I mean, kind of now, not really. I'm making a too big of a leap. Um but related to, you know, vehicle to infrastructure we've talked about in the past and different parts of objects on the road related to other objects. I'm not speaking correctly. I'll just get right to it. Ford, the company that makes cars, uh, is exploring an app for pedestrians, cyclists to, uh, this app would signal cars that they are nearby. So it would help there are automatic emergency braking and things like that to know oh there's something there because it's a tacit acknowledgement that automatic emergency braking kind of works sometimes maybe um personally i just think cyclists should probably follow traffic rules instead of trying and weave in and out and avoid stop signs and lights but that's just my view
1: well isn't this part of the whole reason why uh bill gates injected microchips with all of the covid vaccines part of the, the whole pedestrian safety and in, initiative
0: is that I from agree. the that's from the QAnon safety boards <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that yes is yes exactly
0: award. you know the the ford thing you know the ford thing works off of bluetooth and it looks like it's intended to alert at this point at least just alert the drivers of fords um to a pedestrian and not necessarily integrate with the AEB systems. Um, you know, we've I think we've brought this up on the podcast in the past as a possible way to avoid pedestrians and you know, there it does come with some problems like what happens if you, you know, download the Ford app and then throw your phone in the middle of a interstate. <laughs> does every Ford then stop? Um, there got to be some way, some workarounds here. Um, and one of the issues really why this technology is needed, you know, why we have this this technology happening this way is goes back to something else we've talked about before was basically the the DSRC um, spectrum issue with the FTC. I mean, this was something that was that Honda was experimenting with um, eight eight or nine years ago. Somehow instrumenting pedestrians with using their phones with um, technology that could be used wirelessly to let vehicles in the area know um, that there was a pedestrian there.
2: Real quick, um, just to remind listeners and not me, because I remember exactly what it stands for. DSRC, Democratic Social Republic of Cincinnati.
0: That is the dedicated short range communication system. Ah, I got it. Okay. Um, so that's, and that was something that, you know, if every smartphone was equipped with this technology or some sort of technology, I don't know if Bluetooth was being used there, but, you know, theoretically you could prevent a lot of pedestrians if vehicles knew where pedestrians are. Um, I think there's still a lot of complications to work out there. Um, which is one reason why we wanted the, um, FCC to do the right thing and leave the safety spectrum preserved so that the research could continue there. Uh, But that didn't happen. And so now we're seeing Ford and others enter the marketplace in this way. Um, It doesn't look like, you know, it's it would be nice if this technology was something that was just automatically installed on every phone. So cars would recognize the phone versus requiring users to download a specific Ford app to put this system into place. Um, That seems like something your average person's not really ever going to do. Um, so this system is really only going to, if it comes into play, would only protect, you know, a, a small slice of pedestrians.
1: Oh, Fred's muted himself. Um, Maybe it's the alien. Yeah, the alien abduction. It was great, by the way. Um <laughs> The uh, you know remember one of the one of the important initiatives for the uh, autonomous vehicles is that the companies want to get your data and sell it. They feel like they've been on the sidelines of Google and uh, Facebook, who've made uh, ridiculous fortunes, stealing essentially or using without permission all of your personal data and reselling it, and to get you into a self-driving car that. Records your presence, records your your uh, your credit card number, all of your critical personal information, and to have access to your phone through this kind of Bluetooth connection to you know a a, a big system that includes both the vehicles and all the pedestrians walking by is a, a data salesperson's r- dream. It would be a wonderful, wonderful thing, and extremely valuable. And, you know, yes, these vehicles may eventually end up being safer, but if they're uh, abroad, they're certainly going to be extremely valuable sources of data for the entire uh, big data network. Mm. Well, one day we'll be safe
2: from the voices in my head. So last week's episode, we uh, spoke to Phil Copeman. Uh, If you haven't listened to this episode, you should go listen to it. Uh, It was great. He was the author of How Safe is Safe Enough, and apparently it's not safe, and we're we're never going to have enough. Um, But uh, Michael wanted to follow up on that, and he sent very specific notes saying, on page 28, the four operational modes as an alternative way we talk about vehicle autonomy, automation instead of SAE levels. Uh, I'm just going to let you run ahead with this. Cause when I saw that you put in your notes, page 28, I, uh, hit my head against the wall. No, it was very nice of you. Oh, ah, look at this and I'm working with amateurs here. Michael's muted again too. I mean, it took us forever to get him a microphone and now, now he's turned off his video. He's, he's in shame. This is There's awful. So
1: many buttons, so many I mean, buttons. There
0: are a lot of buttons. How you are know? you allowed to drive a car? Well, the the page 28 reference was for you, Anthony, because that's where the pictures were of the <laughs> operational mode. So it, it, mm-hmm. it um, really, you know, <laughs> it makes sense to me. Uh, you know, Copeman's structure there makes a lot more sense to me than the SAE levels, which are very confusing. You know, they're, they create – certain problems there's kind of a level two level four loophole nobody knows sometimes where level two ends level three begins they're confusing and um you know he proposed kind of a simpler system you know there's driver assistance which encompasses some of the things that we already see on cars today lane keeping assistance um automatic you know cruise control systems those kind of things um you know they're assisting you, but you have to maintain focus and you have to keep driving the vehicle. And then there was a second level of supervised automation. This is where the vehicle is doing a lot, and this is a vehicle. This is an area where we're still a little unsure if it's really a, a good idea, if 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 supervised automation can can work without humans becoming complacent, and you know whether people can respond in emergency situations. Um, and then the third level was autonomous operation which doesn't require any human supervision um and then the fourth was you know strictly vehicle testing um which presumably would include a test driver um so that seems like a simpler structure it it basically identifies all the different areas we're seeing in technology right now and you don't Have these arguments over one, two, three, four, five? When you know five's a unicorn, we're not really sure what two, three, and four are in some respects and where their limits are. Um, It it provides a a more clear system, I think, uh, moving forward.
1: Yeah, Phil's not the first one to suggest that those SAE levels are uh, inadequate. No, it's. But, uh, you know, it's it's going to be an uphill battle to get that to be revised.
2: Yeah. Again, listeners, if you haven't checked out his book, How Safe is on Safe, or wait, I got that wrong. What's How Safe that? is Safe Enough. How Safe is Safe Enough. Um, check it out. It's great. Um, but if you're on a limited budget, I suggest you go to autosafety.org, click on the donate button, and help continue this enterprise. I mean, we're, we've entertained you this long, Right i think so all right let's go to listener mail we have listener mail this week and um it's from uh, someone named greg and i'm trying to decipher kind of what they wrote and maybe it's not really listener mail so much or just a complaint i can't figure it out so uh, this person's asking to check out the ford adaptive cruise control systems on the 2021 uh, ranger and another car which i
0: can't figure out what they're referring to uh saying there was a recall. I think it's a Trimmer. I remember that. Yeah, that, that that's a newer newer Ford model. It's you know they had the Raptor and now they have the Trimmer. These are Oh,
2: that was really cuz okay, cuz the Ranger yeah. was spelled wrong. Okay. There's a recall on the CCM module. Um basically they're complaining that the uh follow distance in the adaptive cruise control was not um in their mind Correct, saying um, the settings are speed sensitive at 62 miles per hour. In one bar, closest distance follow, I should be 31 yards behind. In right. life, I'm closer to 40 feet. At 70 miles per hour, I'm following over 100 feet closer than the distance specified by Ford. Um, this is not only my truck. I tush- test drove a Tremor. What a weird name for a car. Same electronics. It also matched the following distance on my Ranger. Um so this is interesting cuz my i um, you know my Toyota Corolla has follow distance. I've no idea how to change it and it's automatically set to 3 car lengths um which I'm very happy with. The cars behind me um are not but you know they just passed me on the right. So uh is this a <laughs> you know what's what's going on here? Are you are you familiar with this issue?
0: You know, I'm I've never I'm not familiar with the, the issue too much. In this case, it seems like it, it, it there's no way to know um whether you know Greg's me- measurements are accurate or not but it seems like the vehicle following distance is set far too close for the speeds um you know basically in violation of the for every uh 10 miles per hour we leave a car length rule uh, I think that's what Greg's numbers were based on about um, so you know, 40 feet at 60 miles per hour is too close. It's no question. You're not going to be able to respond in time if there's a hard braking event. Um, although if you drive a lot in DC, and I'm sure up where you are, Anthony, it's what everyone is doing. So it's you know, it's it's really hard to leave those spaces. And you know, I see a lot of people get frustrated with some of the adaptive cruise controls and things like this because they will leave such a significant space in front of the vehicle that that space will soon be filled by other vehicles and you're getting pushed further and further back as you drive and and slower. So that's one of the reasons some people choose not to use it. So there's still a lot of issues um, around the systems and technology they're using to execute some of these vehicle behaviors um, when it comes to adaptive cruise control. So it's s- not surprising that we're hearing consumers complain about it. Um, but in this case, you know, it's, it's a safety issue if the, if the adaptive cruise control is putting the human driver into an area where they can't respond in time to a heartbreaking event in front of them. Um, that's something I think, you know, if the dealer isn't, if Greg's dealer isn't taking it seriously, it's something Ford should take a look at. And it's certainly something we'll keep an eye out for in Nitz's complaints.
1: Well, surely there are regulations and tests that uh, are being used to make sure the adaptive cruise controls are safe, aren't there, Michael? Are are you playing my job? Are you trying to take my job?
0: Not in America. Um, I'm not even sure if adaptive cruise control has been regulated in Europe in any way either. But, you know, it would seem to make sense that at the very least you should set minimum following distances for um vehicles um that's something i think that is a minimum performance standard that's a no-brainer since we've all been taught that since we were 15 or 16 in driver's ed all right so
2: adaptive cruise control just adjust to it people it's actually incredibly helpful in my experience you know those people who want to go behind you and crawl into your trunk as fred pointed out in the past just change your bumper stickers okay they won't want to get too close to you anymore. Uh, I suggest let's go, Brandon. Uh, and and with that, unless
0: anyone else has anything else to add? I don't believe I've got anything else on the list today. I do. Uh, wishing the best for everyone down in Florida with the hurricane coming in. That's about it. Right, right. All right, well
2: uh thank you both so much it was another fun episode thank you dear listeners and thank you for donating because i know you've gone out there and done this and do it as a monthly donation
1: um and uh goodbye goodbye everyone we we do appreciate the support and thank you for listening
0: for more information visit www.autosafety.org
1: Okay, so how is the OEDR? Too much, or is that about right? No, that was hilarious. That was amazing. That, <laughs> I like, unbelievable.
0: I still don't know what the hell it is, but it <laughs> <that> works. <laughs> <laughs>